everyone doing we're four and oh thank you for winging it with us we're the a-team baby i'm andrew i'm joined as always by alex and ali you can find us on spotify you can find us on apple you can find us on youtube uh please follow our instagram we just hit 1000 followers and it feels pretty good yeah you know it feels it feels like we're it feels like we're moving and doing it's something good. We're, doing we're doing something, something with our lives the people, the people are clicking buttons and loving us, uh, at least making us feel loved, and 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 we need that to be honest. All right, guys, let's let's get right into it. Uh, we just we just took on the Commanders yesterday, division rival. Um, we were all a little bit. Some of us were more nervous than others. Actually, I feel like everyone was pretty confident heading into this week. We 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 barely get by by the skin of our teeth. Thirty four to thirty one in overtime. A lot of things to get into. Um, Alex, we'll get to you in a second. I know that you were at the game, and you just told me that this was the first overtime game that you've ever been to, which I was shocked by. Um, but Ali, I'll kick things over to you first. How's your general mood now? We're four and zero on the year. Are you like? Are you feeling like we're four and zero? Are you feeling like kind of confused and not really know, knowing how to feel? Uh, listen, a win is a win. We are 4-0, and we knew that this was the part of the schedule that we needed to win coming into the season because we have our gauntlet that is approaching post-bye week, and we all know how that is potentially going to turn out. Um, I did not feel good yesterday. I felt that uh, the strength, what I labeled as the strength of our team, which was our defensive line, um, which did not have a bad game yesterday, by the way. But for the most part, um, our defense got worked pretty substantially by Sam Howell, which did not make me feel good. Um, They marched right down the field on their opening drive and scored a touchdown. This is the first time this season that the Eagles had an opposing team on their opening drive score a touchdown, which is great to be in this position, but also not great to have it be Sam Howell and the Washington Commanders do so. Um, And then after our drive, Washington drives right again in their second drive uh, and scores a touchdown on that drive as well. I was in the middle of this game. I mean, frankly, towards the end of this game, uh, when Washington made its way all the way back and scored the game winning or the game tying touchdown and the two point conversion. And when they won the coin toss, I thought we were going to lose that game. Uh, and if it wasn't for our boy Reed Blankenship and his uh, now red forearm uh, for stopping mm. uh, Scary Terry, we could have definitely lost that game. So a- a- in a long way of answering your question, we're 4-0. A win is a win, but I'm not feeling comfortable. Alex, how about you? Yeah, I need to know, uh, you know, from from inside the stadium, how was the mood? How was the vibe? And how did you feel throughout the game? 
Yeah, the atmosphere is just always so much different when your team is undefeated. Walking into the stadium, so many Eagles chants. Everyone is so excited. Um, you know, they, they brought the Eagle out again during the national anthem. You, you can't do that. You can't just bring the – it's unfair to the other team to bring a freaking bald Eagle doing laps around the stadium. That Eagle really moves the you. It's, you are moved by that Eagle. Dude, there's nothing more than I love than humans making animals do tricks. Like, it's just the best thing that we get to do as humans. It's low-key awful. <laughs> Poor animals. <laughs> now fly for me. Entertain Dance. us, animal. Yeah. <laughs> Entertain me, animal. Um, yeah, man. But – um. It was pretty funny, and like one realization I, I I just had while while you guys were 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 talking about the game, I left that feeling emotionally drained, and <laughs> I'm so invested in this team, and it gives me so much anxiety watching this football game that there was this girl behind me. She was from Ireland with her fiance, who's from Philly. They've had those seats, those season tickets for a while, but they usually sell them, and she just like didn't care. And I'm just like, I'm in like the most like stressed out. I got like (laughs) my jersey over my head, my hands over my hat. I'm like looking through my fingers. I'm like, oh my God, I'm pacing. And she's back there asking other people, oh, so like, what do you do for work or this and that? I'm like, this is not the time right now. How can you be asking a question like that in a time like this? Well, no. And the commanders were driving down the field with like a minute left. And she's like, I'm just going to go home. Let's go home, babe. And like leave. And I'm just like, I cannot believe. Like it just puts into perspective like how emotionally invested we are into this because I was not doing good. I was like very shaken. I was very upset. I was very anxious. I was excited. I was yelling. My, you know, everything was going nuts. And she just like doesn't care. I'm like, how can these two people in the same stadium exist right now? It makes no sense to me. <laughs> you know, there's almost like a level of envy that I have when I hear about people like that because for me, I would love to have the emotional investment. But yeah. at the same time, being able to be sort of, um, I don't know, mature enough to emotionally disconnect when I realize like, hey, these are grown men playing a game that I have no effect over and yeah. I should be able to step I away think, from it. I think it's like a character flaw to not be invested in sports. I think if you don't care that much, then you don't have the ability to feel things deeply. You don't have the ability <laughs> to feel passion. Like what brings out more yeah. just like childlike wonder and passion yeah. and feeling than a sporting event. And if you don't, if you can't feel that when you're at a sporting event, then you're I don't want to be, I don't wanna you're be around you. Yeah. I really don't. So also just like for the game itself, I always like to give this about like what teams travel the best. I have to say, from a percentage standpoint, it was like 0.5% was Commanders fans. I saw one in our entire section. I actually like maybe in a section of, I don't know, three, 400 people, I saw one person. And he was like, you know, waving people out when they were uh, like a head a half and everything. And we were like, you know, we're some some very tasteful banter back and forth. No one's getting bans. But um, yeah, no Commanders fans there at all. And I just have to say that last catch, uh, what was it? Uh, Jahan Dotson when it seemed like our entire secondary was just in the end zone. That was such a gut punch, man. Um, I can't believe, I can't believe that it happened. Wind was out of the sails. A lot of people even like left. I think a lot of people felt how you did Ali um, there, there at the end of the game. So it was, it was tough. It was tough. Um, Thank God the weather was, was good. It was, it was a beautiful day to to sit outside and watch some football, but (laughs) is that your first up? (laughs) No, I, I have a few ups. I think I think there are some good things to discuss here, but um yeah, it was it was it was tough, man. Yeah. I'm not surprised that there were a lack of commanders fans. Uh 
I think that that's a tough organization to like really be a diehard fan of uh, just because they have not been successful in like 20, 30 years. And then on top of that, I mean, I, maybe they just know better than to show up in low numbers into Philadelphia. Like, you you know that you're you're going to endure some, you know, maybe a little bit of abuse, like friendly abuse, not like not 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 like bad, but just like uh, I've uncomfortable seen some stuff. I've seen some stuff oh. for knowingly like no reason at all. It, oh. It's happened to people just wearing the wrong colors at the wrong time around the wrong types of people. And true, you know, it is it is it is what it is. I don't I don't like it, but I've also been heckled and and yelled at at, at MetLife before. And in, when I've been in enemy territory, so sure. it wouldn't be that way. Um, you know, ahead, so, so, you know, what's so interesting is the uh, your comment, Alex, about the touchdown, the game tying touchdown being a gut punch, because at that moment they hadn't scored the two point conversion. They needed the two point conversion in order to tie the game. But it's almost like it almost feels like an automatic nowadays where if a two team... point conversion, they yeah. get an extra point. Ali. I'm sorry, there's, the extra. That, the yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The extra point. Yeah. I um, thought we were going to block it. It looked like it was about to be blocked. The, right, the right. edge rusher got there, yeah. It, it almost seems like an automatic where a team is driving down the field for their game-tying touchdown, and they get that close. Like It, it just almost seems like it's inevitable for it to happen. Hmm. And yeah, except for when the Las Vegas Raiders were marching against the Chargers, and I almost true. won my swing in a pick, but then Aiden O'Connell threw an interception at the Ugh, end of the game. That was such an exciting last drive there, too. It was. It yeah. was. It was because my my Sunday wasn't ruined because it was a one o'clock game and I was able to get home and catch it. <laughs> That's right. That's right. It was a four twenty five game. I wouldn't have seen it, and my Monday would have, and my Sunday would have been ruined, and I wouldn't have seen any of the one o'clock games. So anyway. yeah. All right, Andrew. We had a game. You know the song. Let's play that music. Alex and Andrews, two up, two down. Yep. That's right. He is Alex, and I am Andrew, and we are about to give our ups and downs. Let's start with the ups. I'm going to start off with, we saw a good showing of strong hands yesterday. I'm going to mm. I'm gonna talk about a couple examples. Example one, Jalen Hurts got hit as he threw, but luckily because he's got these strong hands and strong forearms, he was able to still follow through with the throw and it was enough for it to be a, you know, labeled a forward pass and it wasn't a fumble. If he had weaker hands and he got hit as he threw, it probably would have been a fumble and that would have not been good. So I'm going to start off with that. Uh, also, there was a beautiful Devante Smith, uh, Smith, nice Devante Smith catch Devante Smith. I like that. Uh, Alex, you were actually texting us from inside the stadium being like, was it a catch? Did the ball hit the ground? Did anybody see that? And then I think you were just trying to like egg us the, on the at one review, point. No, the review that they showed us was awful. It just looked like a blur and you couldn't see anything. And there was a glare on the screen. That so it just, help. it just, it just wasn't clear enough. And everyone's looking at me, texting you guys, texting me. I'm saying, I don't know. Uh, maybe but I kept <laughs> seeing this text saying. <laughs> <laughs> I kept seeing a text from you just like come back to being like, so it was a catch question mark. And we're all just like, yes, yes. The ball never hit the ground. Then five seconds later. So it was a catch question mark. It's like, are you just, needed, are you just, I needed, you're just messing with us. I needed double confirmation. Just stop. dude. You no, know, the problem is, 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 is we can't say one text and that's it. It's like seven in a row. 
It's like seven, so it's like I, I don't want the fluff. Yes or no? Yes or no? So just to be clear, that was a catch. I don't. I'm yeah. like I don't know how else to say yes. That that ball never hit the ground. So just another amazing showing of Devonte Smith's hands. Might be the best hands in the league. I, I don't know that the dude catches everything. I love watching him play. I know AJ Brown had the bigger game of the two receivers, but Devonte is just as reliable as it gets. That was a, an amazing catch. Uh, and also Dallas Goddard had a had a really nice catch. That was one of his longer receptions of the year mm-hmm. um and i think that there was actually a penalty called on that same play but again just strong hands kept the ball in beautiful grab and then let's also give it up for reed blankenship's hand slash forearm uh because that was yep. the reason that terry mclaren uh his toe touched out of bounds his foot was not able to yep. get inbounds as he made the catch because his foot was on reed blankenship's arm so thank you to all of those hands and forearms that uh really made a difference in the game and then my second up, I have quite a few here, and maybe I'll circle back to some of them after you give yours, Alex. Um, I think that I'm going to go with just the play of the linebackers, uh, specifically Nicholas Morrow had a monster game. He had three sacks. He had 10 solo tackles. Um, you know, force fumble. I, force fumble, too. A force fumble. Wow. I didn't even have that here. So, you know, add that in. Just a, an amazing game. Um, Cunningham had another pretty solid performance. I think he had nine or ten solo tackles himself. Um, we had five sacks on the day, which I know Sam Howell still got his, but um, it was good to still see us get after the quarterback, especially after Howell took nine sacks the previous week against Buffalo. Um, just, you know, what I'll wrap up with the linebackers is it's, that's been a concern of everybody, and I'm getting more and more confident with the Eagles' ability to just kind of bring in these guys off the scrap heap. Uh, Nicholas Morrow was on the practice squad going into this year, and here he is being a difference maker. Uh, we've seen this with Kaiser White. We've seen it with Nigel Bradham in the past. Um, I don't think that the, either one of those were practice squad guys, but they were still no-name guys that we signed on small contracts. So getting just enough production um, in order for them to not be a true weakness Um but that also doesn't mean that we had a, you know, a great overall game defensively, but but major props to the to the linebackers. So those are my two ups. Alex, curious to hear yours. Yeah, yeah, Ali, what, yeah, yeah first. Yeah, yeah. what are yeah, your yeah. Let me let me just jump in. I, I agree completely, Andrew. I think Nicholas Morrow. I, I don't know what happens when Nicobe Dean comes back, because at this point, the way Nicholas Morrow is playing, I am more inclined to keep Nicholas Morrow in. Um, because he's definitely got the hot hand right now. And and sure, Nicobe Dean can come back and do everything that Morrow's doing, but I'd be pretty hesitant to, to plug him back in when I'm getting this kind of production. The second piece that I thought was interesting, um, you brought up Reed Blankenship <clears throat> stopping Terry, McClure, uh, Terry McLaurin from making that catch. Alex, I don't know if you saw the replay of that catch specifically, but it was so close to where... Had the referees called it a catch, I don't think there would have been Mm -hmm. enough evidence to overturn that, right? Like, it was truly how it was called on the field, and we just got lucky, in my mind. Yeah, a call in our favor. We actually, it it was a rarity yesterday. Right. (laughs) Yeah, so so instantly when it happened, it actually happened right in front of me, like on our sideline, and I was 100% convinced it was a catch, and they even showed the replay. Uh, Shout out to Marcus Mariota's head. Uh, for getting in the way of one of the replays so you couldn't use it because you you couldn't get the overhead view of it because number eight's big old head was their best play is made all season by the way contribution of the year <laughs> yeah contribution of the year um but yeah i i even thought during the replay it looked like a catch it's like what is stepping on a forearm constant is that 
count as a, a body part down. You can't actually hit the line if his arms inbounds and his his legs on top of it. Like it, it, it was very confusing. And again, I started texting you. Was that a catch? What was going on? And then we Ali's like, into the stadium. nope, toes on white. I'm like, well, I'm like, technically his entire foot's on white because the other half of his foot is on Reed Blankenship's arm. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. So, so getting into my ups, um, you know, the, the the first thing is, and and for for those of you that don't know me, like I'm in sales. That's what I do as my profession. I know people think it's podcasting and and doing all of this, but I actually have a job that feeds my family. And you know, there's an iconic movie um, that all sales professionals knows. It's it's called Glenn Gary Glenn Ross, and and the saying is is coffee is for closers or or ABC always be closing. And at the end of the day, that is just the most important thing. You can have the best outreach. You can give the best sales presentations. You can build the most amount of rapport. But the worst news that you could ever hear from a potential customer is we really liked you. We think your customer would be a great fit, but we decided to head another direction. But we really, really like you. And if we can give compliments to someone, we would. That sounds like my experience with dating. It's like, look, you're great. You're really nice. But uh, I'm just not feeling a romantic connection. Okay, here, well, I'm, I'm going to go but, jump. Thanks. But he, here, here's the other you know, scenario. Yeah, it may have been a little bit scrappy. It may have been a little bit stressful. But you got the deal closed. You can sip on the coffee because coffee is for closers and you always be closing. And it's exactly what Jason Kelsey said. I'm drinking and coffee posting. and I still can't close with these women. <laughs> We should start a winging it uh, dating channel and uh, just just have a whole thing. Was it chasing? Well, we had uh, chasing uh, Kelsey, and he got with Taylor Swift to do a chase and Ruben. And, uh, and if you got a thousand there. followers on that, I, I will die a very happy man. <laughs> you know, this is going to be made into a reel, right? All right, so do what um, you got to do. But but anyway, right? And that's exactly what Jason Kelsey said in 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 the, in the post game. He's like, we understand we need to clean things up. Like that's obviously a given. But we are doing what we can to close games. And sometimes that is the difference between a really good team and a bad team. We saw the Kansas City Chiefs last night almost fall to the Jets. Do you think they're less elite now because they almost – no, they, they they won the game. They always seemingly seem to have the ball at the end, and maybe there were some questionable calls there. But they did what they needed to do. I don't think there's any worry in Kansas City that the Chiefs aren't good anymore. Because they're doing what they've always done to do. We've had close games last year as well. But at the end of the day, despite all of the mistakes, and I'm certainly going to get into the mistakes and our downs, we kept the game closed. Um, so then the second up I have, let me just look here. I did have Nicholas Morrow as well. I think I will just actually just give the whole center of the field props. The commanders beat us on our perimeters. And we can get into some of the perimeter players. They didn't target the middle of the field whatsoever. And you had Nicholas Morrow, who's an off-ball linebacker, getting four sacks, three sacks that game. It's it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. So um, it's good to see that. I do think there's more concerns with, like, why do we have our linebacker creating the pressure when our Jalen Carter didn't have a good game? And getting ahead of myself, so I don't want to get into the downs. But, Andrew, echoing that sentiment, the linebacker play was absolutely phenomenal. Ali, you bring up a great point. I don't know where Nicobe Dean fits into all this because I think Cunningham and, and Morrow are doing really good. Didn't think that was going to be the 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 case. Definitely want to talk about the secondary. We want to get into our downs, but that's that. So Ali, Andrew, what do you think about those ups? You know, I I, I can't hear the phrase "good teams always find a way to win" again. I just I don't want to hear it anymore. Yeah, because you could have said the same thing about last year's Minnesota Vikings, who had the most close wins out of any NFL team, and they got trounced 
by the New York Giants in the playoffs. Um, your record, sure, is an indication of your success, but how you win is also an indication of your success. Last year, our uh, margin of victory was 12.25 points. This year, it's seven points. There is a clear difference in how our defense has been playing overall in the course of the four weeks that we've played so far versus last year, and it's not making me feel comfortable. Good teams do find a way to win, but when it seems like you're doing it every week, are Mm -hmm. you really a good team? I don't think so. And Nick Sirianni, I think, alluded to this in his press conference yesterday. And he, he you know, looking for positives, uh, he says that finding ways to win in different ways builds character. You know, that sounds good, but it would it would feel a lot better if we just didn't have to sweat out these wins against teams that, you know, this is the easiest part, the easier part of our schedule. And Ali, you always mentioned the gauntlet that's coming up around the corner. Yeah. Like we're, we're playing crappy quarterbacks. Um I, I do want to just add like a, just two quick honorable mention ups before we get into the downs. Uh, they did show a stat right after halftime that the Eagles are 0-5 at home when trailing at halftime with Jalen Hurts, which was very surprising. So this was the first game that they've won with Jalen Hurts where they were trailing at halftime. So that was that felt good to, to you know, kind of reverse that trend. And then also uh, keeping it on Hurts, he had his best game of the season. To me, he looked really good in the past game. I'm not going to say that like the the running looks good and it's still hard for him to find lanes, but he threw for 319, two touchdowns, zero interceptions. His QB rating was 112.3. His previous best was 98 against Minnesota. So at least it felt like a step in the right direction for Jalen. And I'm sure these game winning type of drives that he was putting together, converting on third downs late in the game, do a lot for his confidence and just being a, you know, a leader for this team. I don't I don't want to make it seem like, hey, I'm saying the sky is falling because that is the stereotypical uh, image of what Philadelphia looks right now, right now for Eagles fans. But my uh, Andrew, you bring up a, a really excellent point with that statistic. I mean, think about it. Since Jalen Hurts has taken over at home prior to this game, we only trailed at halftime five times. <laughs> It's that, shocking that we didn't win any of those games. To be like, it really is. I mean, that's a luxury. That is a luxury that we've experienced over the last, I don't know, few seasons. That Jalen's been our starting quarterback. That's incredible. And it was Alex's first. It was Alex's first overtime game. So, so yeah. hold on, I, I have to interject here with something, Ali. Th- those stats sound wonderful and all, but besides the New England game, we beat the Vikings pretty convincingly. We beat the Tampa Bay Bucks pretty convincingly, which I would argue is probably the best team we've played this season. This is a rivalry game. This is the team that knocked us off our undefeated streak last week. These are always going to be different games regardless. I don't we can we can look at point differential after 4 weeks after getting to a slow start, but that doesn't tell the whole story. You're looking at a Full sample size in 2022 and comparing it to a four-game sample, well, if one game was really close um, at the beginning of the gate, two games we won by a pretty good margin, the third was a rivalry game, let's look at that stat in in week 16. I don't say there's no... you know, confidence in, in what you're saying. Like, I totally understand that point. These games are always different. I, 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 I just, I, I think, I think that does sound a little bit more like the sky is falling than what we're actually seeing here. Yeah. And it makes me feel better when I think about when playing the comparison game to other teams. Like the reality is, is that there are two remaining four and O teams. It is hard to go four and O. 
Um, it's just us and the 49ers. Miami got crushed in a divisional game against the Bills where they just put up 70 the week before. You know, uh, we we saw Dallas lose a conference game to to the Cardinals last week. So, and Alex, as you've been saying, Kansas City, you know, they were up 17 nothing last night against the Jets and they only ended up winning by three. So it's it's easy to just kind of like hone in on the issues that we're seeing with the Eagles without giving, you know, w- without seeing parallels across the league that other teams are also struggling with. So it's yeah. not just it's not. Yeah, just- there's like maybe four good teams in the NFL right now. And we're one of them. <laughs> Listen, I'm, I'm not saying we're a bad team, but what I am saying I is you. I have not seen a complete football game on both sides of the football by the Philadelphia Eagles so far this season. So with that, how how about we transition into the downs because I'd love to hear them. (laughs) Yeah. So, so the first down I have, and it's, it's, it's exactly why we lost to the commanders last week. Like there was so much beating ourselves during this game, 81 yards and penalties. And, and albeit like a lot of those were really bad calls. I think the refs were absolutely insane. They missed a face mask call, the uncatchable ball with a defensive pass interference when it was like in the first row of the stands, um, multiple dude, face masking calls. Yeah. Off si- offsides on the tush push where there was a commander's player whose hand was literally on the football on the line of scrimmage. Like their helmet was yeah, like the, over in, the ball in, in the invalid fair catch. Jason Kelsey got his helmet knocked off. Um, that was not a unnecessary roughness or, uh, um, on that on that late hit, uh, where was it? McLaurin caught it down the field. Was it on Reed? Yep. Was that is that is that who got it? That was ridiculous. That was clean as day. And despite all that, we we still won. Oh, then the AJ Brown taunting call. That was a killer, man. What was that all about? Right, the intentional grounding because AJ and Jalen weren't on the same page. I mean, just like the list just gets longer and longer and longer, right? And here's the thing, and and Ali, this is like why I do think your comment is valid, is like these were the easier games in our schedule. We play the Rams, which put on a pretty good performance yesterday. We play the Jets with I don't know what the heck uh, Zach Wilson was on in the second half of next game. And then it gets into the hardest part of our schedule and is not going to be a cakewalk. Like we will lose games upcoming, but we cannot afford to make a third of the mistakes that we made yesterday, beating ourselves against those really good teams. Those are the teams that it's going to come down to one or two plays. And if we have any of these um, repeating in the upcoming games, it's just going to be really bad. And then I really think for my second down, we really need help in our secondary. We need Howie Roseman to bring a blockbuster player. Like we need to see the Eagles app with a notification just saying we just signed, I don't know, Buda Baker. We we just we just got some all-star player that is going to to help us back there. I think Sidney Brown and Reed Blankenship are okay as safeties, but Sidney's too inexperienced. Josh Job was picked on yesterday. He's absolute Garbage. Darius Slay is like the only person out there doing okay. Even James Bradbury is looking a little bit suspect. We need help in that secondary. I think our line is going to be able to create enough QB pressure, but we have to make sure that these people aren't open down the field. It's really bad. We're not even like one or two steps off from some of these guys. We're like three or four. And thank God Sam Howell isn't totally dialed in yet because he missed some very open throws yesterday. Ali, I'll let you chime in first. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think the cause for concern in the secondary is warranted. And I don't necessarily think it's a question of personnel only or if it's a question of scheme only. Because I agree, Josh Job is not a 
uh, an all-star cornerback, and he was definitely he's definitely been getting picked on for the last four weeks. But seeing <clears throat> Darius Slay get burned, seeing James Bradbury miss plays that he normally makes, leads me to believe that part of this has to be scheme, right? Because on the play right before the game tying touchdown, we blitzed and we got pressure in Sam Howell's face. And whoever that receiver, the intended receiver was, drops the ball um, where if you would have caught it. It was really good coverage. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, the next play, you drop back your pressure. You only rush four and you know you're not getting pressure and you leave Job on an island in the end zone. It, it just doesn't make sense. So I agree that our secondary is a little suspect right now, but part of this has to be on Sean Desai as well. Yes. Why are we playing so far off the ball? Why are we afraid to play tighter coverage on anybody? Tyree McClough, like you have, you have Slay, you have, you have good. I mean, Bradbury's still a good corner. And I don't really understand the mindset of playing this Jonathan Gannon type of sag defense where you're, you're giving the receiver space. And honestly, Howell was hitting like a lot of nice like back shoulder throws that we had no chance at because of how yeah. much separation there was. I so have I no confidence that if it's less than third and five that we are screwed. We are giving up uh, just pitch and catches like it's nothing. It is nothing. You just run a high low or just some sort of of crossing it, it, it. I mean, to the outside, hitting the flats, hitting these little bootleg scrambles like they're the, these quote, there has to be some sort of stat on like less than five yard passes. And the Eagles have to be leading the category and giving up most of those plays. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. It's really frustrating. Um, so I'm going to head into some downs here just to like give a review of the quarterbacks that we've gone against this year and the games that they've had against the Eagles in comparison to other teams is just kind of confusing and kind of, depressing to be honest uh mac jones against dallas yesterday looked like he belonged on a jv high school team somewhere uh so mac jones threw for 316 against the eagles other than that he's thrown for 231 201 and then 150 yesterday on top of that had had his best qb rating yeah he got well he did get benched and even if he remained, I don't think it oh, would yeah. have. I'm just saying, like, yeah, he played so bad he got benched. He yeah. got, yeah, they, they got absolutely destroyed by Dallas. And I know Dallas is a good offense, but dude, Mac Jones, you're. <laughs> I, I texted you guys before the game because I saw him on the TV with Aaron Andrews on Fox. I'm like, why does this guy deserve an interview on Fox? Because he's the quarterback of the Patriots? Because he hasn't done anything to deserve any recognition. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe a, a solid rookie season, but like, who cares? He, he hasn't done anything. All right. Anyway, Kirk Cousins. Great game against the Eagles, threw for 364. He had his highest QB rating of the season, which was 125.6. And the Eagles were the only team to not get an interception against uh, Kirk Cousins. Week three, we actually showed up. Baker Mayfield had his worst game of the season against the Eagles. Actually bounced back pretty nicely yesterday against the Saints. So we did have one good week against Baker. Um, So Sam Howell, week one, threw for 202 against Arizona with a 77.6 QBR. At Denver, now this won't be a surprise because Denver's defense also looks like a JV high school team. Uh, he So he did throw for 299 against uh, against Denver. The next week against Buffalo, or last week against Buffalo, threw for 170, got sacked a bunch of times. His QBR was 41.5. And then against the Eagles, he throws for 290, almost throws for 300. His QBR was just under 100 at 98.6. 
I know we're making like the, you know, these things come up. It's like, oh, we're making the we're making Sam Howell look like Tom Brady out there. And, you know, maybe I won't go Tom Brady, maybe like Ryan Fitzpatrick, maybe like a scrappy guy who can like still perform well. Um, but Sam Howell looked way too good. So that was a huge, huge, huge disappointment uh, for him to see him have that kind of game. And then on top of that, Terry McLaurin, I mean, <laughs> it has become like death taxes and Terry McLaurin against the Eagles, just like Boston Scott against the Giants. That is what McLaurin is against the Eagles. He's always, always has our number this season. Week one, he went four for 31. Week two, six for 54. Week three, six for 41. And then yesterday against us goes eight for 86. So before his game yesterday, his high was only 54 yards receiving. So again, just kind of head scratching with the way that uh, these passing offense have, have been able to put up numbers against us. And then I'm going to switch things over to the offensive side. And this was my my number one, just absolute infuriating run the ball, run the ball. When you have a lead, stop throwing the freaking ball. DeAndre Swift had one carry after the Eagles had the lead yesterday. I don't get it. It's fine if you want to give Kenny Gainwell some work. Do what you got to do. I'm not saying Gainwell's a scrub, and he does show things out there. That's fine. He did have a fumble, which to me is like, okay, Swift in he hasn't fumbled and the guy rarely loses yardage I know he got he got hit in the backfield a couple times yesterday but most of the time he builds up enough acceleration to get four to five yards deep every single time he touches the ball it worked out well in a couple plays because we hit AJ Brown downfield for long touchdowns but I still don't freaking agree with this play calling DeAndre Swift needs to have more than 14 carries in a football game he needs to have more than five carries after halftime, and he needs more than two carries after you have the lead. So I'm just really frustrated with, like, fine if you want to preserve talent, you know, a guy who has injury risk or whatever, but, like, it doesn't make any sense. The play calling doesn't make any sense. We get so addicted to this pass game, and I know that we have the weapons for it, but guess what? We have the weapons to run the ball, too, and I don't understand getting away from it. Yeah. So that's that's where I'm going to uh, I'm going to now pass it over to Ali and Alex for for your final thoughts. You know, one of the, the things that you mentioned, Andrew, makes me makes me sort of want to take a step back and, and kind of reflect or pontificate on the, the status of of how the NFL ha- is continuing to evolve, specifically defenses. Um, these dink and dunk plays where the offenses are seemingly gaining five yards here, three yards there that just end up inevitably getting to third and short, third and medium and easily converting. I'm finding myself starting to notice that more and more teams are experiencing these third and shorts and easily converting into first downs. I was just looking at some NFL statistics. Um, so far, there's about 12 teams that are uh above 40% in third down conversions, which is a little bit down from where it was uh, in prior years. But the um, the extent at which those 12 teams are in the upper half of the 40% versus the lower half of the 40% or even the top half of 39 is pretty staggering. I, I'm, I'm almost wondering if there is a, a shift in how defenses are starting to play 
uh, offenses now where they're not trying to give up the big play and are willing to sort of like accept these dink and dunk plays if it means taking time off the clock and eventually settling or having the offenses settle for a field goal. So I, I don't know, just a, a little bit of a sort of reflection as, as you were talking, I'm kind of thinking about like this thing that I'm starting to notice throughout the season is that a, a lot of offenses are seemingly easily converting these third downs, which in prior years, I, this was kind of a rarity, um, right, where, where I would see it happen so often. Um, the second comment that you made uh, about running the ball, you know, initially... I mean, Kenny Gainwell had, what was it, like a third and eight in the red zone? Like, can we just stop giving Kenny Gainwell the ball in the red zone? At- and that was when he fumbled. Let, let's just let's just stop doing that. Yeah. Just get, just, DeAndre, if you're in the red zone, hand the ball off to DeAndre Swift, conversation over. Or just hand the ball or, off in, or just period, just hand the ball right. off, period. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Um, the second thing is on the touchdown to A.J. Brown, the second one where we all thought that we were going to win the game. I, in, in the back of my mind, I was like, we just need to run this clock out until we've got three seconds left, score the game winning field goal, game over, that's it. And when we scored the touchdown, obviously I was happy. Everyone's happy, but the decision to score kind of, you know, it it puts it into light. Same thing, Ali. It it puts it into light. Like, you know, be kind of situationally aware of what's going on in this game. Your defense is not playing as it was in the prior three weeks. And this offense is having its way moving the ball up and down. Why? Why give them that much time when you could have easily run the clock out? We had the ball for nine minutes and 22 seconds against Tampa Bay, and we didn't give them the ball back. Why couldn't we just do that and end the game that way? It just lacks situational awareness. And again, I keep harping on this week after week. Brian Johnson's play calling, the personnel scheme. Now, you know, I, I've got some questions about Sean Desai. I, I think Sean Desai will clean it up in the next couple of weeks. But it is this recurring theme over and over where we lack situational awareness and using the right personnel, the right play calling, and the right moments in time. And this was just an example of how it manifested itself again. Also, our red zone offense is a joke. Like we did have that touch the DeAndre Swift had like a five yard touchdown run. But other than that, and this was a trend last year, too. If we weren't hitting A.J. Brown for 50 yard touchdowns or or like scoring from outside of the red, we're fine scoring outside of the red zone. But when we're in the red zone, we the play calling is really, really suspect. And and it's Jalen. It's it's the play calling. Something changes and our red zone efficiency is trash. Uh, third down efficiency yesterday was trash. We were four for 12. And I swear to God, if that intentional grounding play on to because we decided to take a deep shot to A.J. Brown in overtime where it really wasn't necessary and they weren't on the same page, that took us out of field goal range. Thank yep. God Devontae Smith, you know, or Jalen made a good throw too. But thank God that that play happened to at least put Jake Elliott, which, you know, also shout out to Jake Elliott. We didn't mention him at all. Four for four on the day. Yeah, he's amazing. automatic from 50 plus. Like he, he'll, he'll get attention when he's not performing well, but then we don't even give him props when he has a great game. So Jake Elliott, very grateful to have a reliable kicker because a lot of teams don't. But um, yeah, Alex, I'm going to send this over to you to finish things out as I get my my final thoughts here. But it's just... There, at the end of the day, we're four and zero. But God dang it, can we clean this up? Can we clean it up? Yeah, no, that that that's the thing. And, and Ali, as soon as you were saying it, I felt the same exact way. We scored that touchdown. I'm like, there's too much time left. 
And I just remember last year, man, I remember the Colts game. I remember the Arizona game. It's like, okay, you know what? We're not playing our best football right now, so we're just not going to give them the ball back. We're just not going to give them the ball back. We're going to slowly drive the ball down the field methodically and do this. Well, we did that against Tampa, I think. We like, did, there was we, eight we minutes left, and we just we milked it. We, we ran the yeah, clock Yeah, but it's out. like that game Like that game felt like we were going to win, though. This game did yeah. not feel like we were going to win, and, and it, is, it is really bizarre. Um, man, there's just so much like different opposite sides in the spectrum I'm on. I'm just like, one, we have all these new coordinators. Our team looks a little bit different. We have a lot of new personnel, and we're 4-0. and like, We should right. be really excited about that. On the other side, it's just like, our window of getting to the Super Bowl is great. We have some of the best rookies and maybe even the best defensive player in the whole entire draft. I think our raw talent is doing better than the awful coaching we're receiving and they're getting us out of here. And we have a very difficult schedule upcoming and I'm really afraid. I don't want to say this, but like I'm really afraid that we may lose like all four or five of those games. It's like, who are the Eagles? And we're just an average pack with elite talent and really bad coaching. I totally think the Eagles would have done better if Shane Steichen was calling those calls. I don't know if I'm sitting here thinking Jonathan Gannon is going to do much, but hey, they got a little scrappy team over there in Arizona with having no quarterback whatsoever. They they were getting the 49ers a little bit on their uh, on their heels as well. So we'll have to see. It's a debate. Tale as old as time. We're going to be sitting here debating it every single week, and that's why we do this freaking show every single week. Watch this team and watch us just lose years of our life. I am so excited for this next week's game against um, the the Rams. We have an awesome guest. We have two, three Drees uh, that's going to be joining us. We have a fan's perspective from behind enemy lines upcoming. This week's episode upcoming this Thursday is going to be a very overhyped, not overhyped, but a very hyped one. I'm really excited uh, to be able to get it out to you. We ran a little bit long today. We had a lot to discuss. Um, at the end of the day, we are 4-0. and We are the one of two teams in the entire NFL with the 49ers who, man, that is just, it is going to be interesting. There's going to be a lot of drama building up to, uh, was it week 13? Um, mm-hmm. We can't wait. Thanks for winging it with us, guys. I'm Alex. He's Andrew Ali. Peace.